0: I'm Jim Durkin, and on this week's episode, Matt and I are joined by Jim Shockey. He's been a guide and outfitter, a former All-American swimmer and water polo athlete, and now he's an author. If you've watched any hunting TV over the last 30 years, you know who Jim Shockey is. Jim is one of those guys that's every bit as interesting and intellectual to talk to as you would think he would be from watching his his shows very genuine person our topics include everything from his new book release to some of the challenges and and threats that face hunting today and and into the future the topics were interesting to talk to jim and get his perspective on things and and even took the form of of a debate which was was interesting to see uh, from my perspective to see how Matt works and to see how Jim responds and to see how Jim works and to see how Matt responds. Two brilliant minds challenging one another. And I got to be part of it. You'll see in that at the, at the end of the day, we all come together in agreement. And the overwhelming theme of this episode is wildlife first. So again, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: This is the Hunt Quietly podcast. I'm Matt Ranella.
0: I'm Jim Durkin, and I'm here with Matt Ranella and Jim Shockey. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Another Monday.
2: <laughs>
0: I hear you. So, Jim, what are you up to these days?
2: Well, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm spending most of my time on my uh, my novel that that's this right here, Call Me Hunter. Uh, so, so that's uh, in the final prose of being released. So, I, I I just shocked at how much work it is to actually publish a novel, at, you know, at, at that sort of international bestseller kind of level, hopefully. Um, so this is a
1: fiction novel
2: yeah it's a fictional thriller uh it's based loosely on my life so so if you actually read it you you'll you'll be able to pick up a lot of real instances and you can Google most of what's in the book in the novel uh and and find out that it's true in fact that's I think what caught Simon and schuster out of New York City was was that that difficulty in determining what's fiction and what's nonfiction in the in the actual novel
0: wow and how long has this been in the making jim
2: uh, i i wrote the first page 25 years ago uh, more than 25 years ago 1996 um and then but i realized i didn't i hadn't lived life enough yet to to be able to finish the novel and nor did i have time to sit down and actually devote the, the amount of effort it takes to to get a novel out in into the public domain. Uh, so I, I waited until 2019. Uh, October, Mozambique was my last international trip. And as soon as I got home from that trip in November 2019, I, I sat down and started actually writing the story. Um and and uh Simon and Schuster in New York City bought it and the two book deal actually so I have to write a second one. A sequel. Um, Emily Bessler is the rock star of editing out in that part of the world in that industry. She's just her stock and trade is discovering the the new you know the latest greatest uh, authors and, and she personally picked it and edited it. Um, so we've been going back and forth for the last year with doing the editing and then um, just recently I got the copy edited version and I've sent it back to them. so now it'll come back to me one more time. Uh, and uh, then it'll go to typesetting and another, you know, edit after that, and uh, then it'll be released to the public. The advanced reader copies will be out in the middle of May. You know, there's maybe 200 copies that'll go out to influencers and reviewers.
1: And then you'll start working on the second one.
2: (laughs) I should have been already working on that, uh, you know, uh, six months ago, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of those show me the money kind of guy so so until I see this one out and holding it in my hands and and can read it, it it'll be it's very difficult for me to move on to another project so so I but I've been I, I guarantee every single day eh, I, I think about it and and where I'm going to take the the characters in this novel the um, protagonist is actually a young lady um, um, she uh, she she has a I don't want to give it all away but there there's a uh, anti-hero that's a hunter and there, then there's a um a villain that's an animal rights person
1: the woman is the hunter
2: no the woman is the she's the protagonist in the book so she's the main character uh yeah I, I just don't want to give it all away but uh yeah yeah it, it's it's a uh yeah it, it's it's good I mean I, I just got a um you know from Yellowstone uh the mo- television series Yellowstone sure. the character the character Rip. Uh huh. He just gave me an unbelievable, you know, because I, I he, we sent him a digital version of it. And uh, I, sh- I should see if I can find that on here and read it to you. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to, you know, get somebody like that. to. Uh, his real name is Cole Hauser, but I'll, sorry about this. I should have, but I can, this is what he says about it. And this will be, you know, on the cover, uh, call me Hunter. Is a captivating account of a young girl that brings the reader a sense of empowerment, resiliency, and hope—a visceral reminder that humans are animals at the very core.
1: So, That's a good blurb. That's a real yeah. good. Blurb.
2: Yeah. So anyway, that, yeah, you asked. So unfortunately, you're gonna you're gonna get the full meal deal when it comes to what I'm doing uh, recently. If you ask that question,
0: uh, good, yeah. good deal. I I don't think any of our listeners. I mean, all of our listeners. Obviously, you need no introduction. But what I didn't realize, you were in the military. Is that correct?
2: Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I was bestowed the rank. We're on the British system here, yeah. so the the troops can actually pick a uh, uh, a commanding officer. But it's it's and the rank is bestowed upon them. I think originally, back you know hundreds of years ago, it was so that the troops would get paid. So they would pick a duke or somebody like that and bestow a rank on them—a military rank—so gotcha. they could say, you know, I'm a, I'm a lieutenant colonel or a colonel, or, and and so I was bestowed the rank of lieutenant colonel because, for CRPG, for Canadian Ranger Patrol Group, um, up here in Canada, the the troops chose me as as their you know honorary. Right so yeah, I wore I wore the uniform for six years in the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, full rank, you know, uh, yeah. except, uh, in a field of battle, I, I would have had to defer to the actual commanding officer. So he he's above me in that, but even though we had the same rank.
0: I, yeah, I didn't know that about you, but doing a little research for this podcast, I didn't realize you were an accomplished swimmer and, uh, water polo. You were on the yeah. world teams.
2: Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I, I was, I was an all American swimmer. Uh, I, I left home at 17, to go to university on a swimming full ride swimming scholarship, um, and but after two years, I switched over to the Canadian national water polo team. Basically, walked on because I'd always played water polo. I love the sport and uh, played for Canada for six years. Uh, I, I played against the states many many times in yeah. various tournaments around the World Championships in Berlin in '78 and Ecuador mm-hmm. in '82. Uh, but in 80, we boycotted the Olympics. Uh, Jimmy Carter decided because of the Russian invasion of Afghanistan. Yeah. And then in uh, 84, for the Los Angeles Olympics, they wanted the team to centralize for six months before the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I was getting married. And, I mean, I'm not stupid. It, when when I had my, my soulmate, Louise, there, there's no way I was going to go centralize for six months on the other side of Canada. Right. Uh, so, so we... Yeah, I missed the 84 Olympics and and uh but yeah, yeah, swimming is like in the water is second nature as well as wearing a Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> although although those days are long, long over now.
1: Oh, uh, even in my best days, I don't think I I just don't never had the confidence of it. Would
2: take. Yeah, it's I was funny, do- I didn't out well,
1: have- well enough. I just didn't have the
0: confidence. <laughs> yeah, of
1: course,
2: of course. Yeah, I always looked at it as advertising just wearing that Speedo around, but uh... <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure. If we're, are we allowed to say that on the on the podcast? <laughs>
1: There's a lot um, of stuff that gets said on this little podcast. Yeah. No anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: yeah. Perfect. And do you still have your your uh, you basically have a you're an art dealer? You still have your 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 shop? Where you? Uh...
2: No, I, I used to have. Well, yes and no. I, I I had three stores in Vancouver and one on Vancouver Island. Um, we, back in the day, I dealt in ethnocentric folk art, furniture, and, and art. Um, so we actually furnished Ralph Lauren's country stores, uh, when he was trying to like polo stores or franchises, but he was trying to set up country stores, Ralph Lauren country that he owned. So we furnished, uh, the first six of those stores through the States and one in Canada. Um. But those stores in Vancouver, one of them is still running. I gave it to the manager uh, in the day, Folk Art Interiors, and uh, Dave Johnson is now running it. Uh, so that's been 35, 40 years now, 40 more than 40 years. Almost, Holy cow. Almost 45 years ago I opened that store. Um, but now I have a gallery and a gift shop here in our Hand of Man Museum. Our our edit suite that you can see me in, this is one of the the rooms in our – and of Man Museum of Natural History, Cultural Arts, and Conservation here on Vancouver Island. So we still have a, a gift shop and a gallery. I just saw the um, the numbers for last month, March. Uh, we had over 3,000 visitors in March. Wow. On you know, an time. island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. And, and not not on the highway. Like This is out of the way. People actually have to make an effort to come here. And last year, 2022, we had over, over 26,000 visitors it's entrance, entrance by donation um it, it's pretty cool you see school kids coming through here school groups uh, at least twice a week uh, then they come back on the weekend bringing their parents in tow and the parents are in shock our, our kids want to see a museum on a weekend what's this all about yeah and, yeah uh, when they walk in they see why it, it's a pretty pretty fascinating place it's what people want to see nowadays that you can't see in regular museums they, they have to be politically correct and and You know, they've turned museums into political edifices as opposed to what museums should be. Just here's the past. It's the reality. And, and you, you can't like our British Columbia Museum, Royal British Columbia Museum here in, in Victoria, our capital city of British Columbia. They're decolonizing it. So anything to do with, with, um, the past that, that maybe isn't, doesn't, sit right with today's political viewpoints they're eliminating it they're the captain Cooks. wow that's
1: him. it i had no idea. yeah i never thought about that like woke culture is in doctor is infected everything it, yeah so that, you can imagine it would infect museums too but to make it concrete for me and the listeners like what would be an example of something that you'd see in your museum that would be taboo elsewhere
2: well i mean we have full woolly mammoth skeleton um you know, and they're all real bones, full woolly rhino skeleton, uh, the jaw of a megalodon. I mean, it's six feet opening with the real teeth. Um, there's dinosaur skeletons, a uh, uh, gigantosaurus, which is.
1: Yeah, but you wouldn't have to put a trigger warning on any of that. No. <laughs> like, no. What, what would you have to put a trigger warning on?
2: Uh you know that probably the mounted animals, because there, you know, there's a fair few mounted. It's not a hunting museum, but there's natural history objects in here. So there's, um, you know, there's lo- mounted lions, and and uh, you know that that's a trigger for sure. Um, okay. And and but again, you know, we keep pretty close tabs on on what people are thinking, and, and you can Google it. Google Hand of Man Museum, it'll come up, and there'll be hundreds of reviews. And the vast majority are positive, you know. Now the people that are that um, that are triggered, um, you know, they're loud and, and they're going to make sure that they say their piece. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's like one in a thousand, one one group in a thousand people. So it might be three or four people, and each one of them make sure that they give a crappy report. But um, the the vast they never say anything when they're here because everybody's enthralled. I mean, uh, like I say, 999 out of 1,000 people. But, you know, still, when you get 26,000 visitors, you're going to get 26 people and there, you know, maybe two or three of them. So suddenly there's 70 people complaining. Um, But it's nothing compared to the the joy that people uh, get from walking through this museum. It's It's kind (laughs)
1: of funny because like those, that small number of people with just, a modicum of research to know what they're walking into. Well,
2: I, I think they purposely do <laughs> you know? it. I, I think they, they purposely do it. I mean, they, they, it's, it's bizarre. They seek out things that make their life unhappy and, and then try and share their unhappiness with everybody else. Yeah. And I mean, and I complaining,
0: I... I've read that people when they complain and they complain about things that it they're seeking validation in their life that they don't have in other aspects yeah,
2: and and the only way we can do that is to tear down people that have yep. actually that have actual accomplishments. Um, you know, there's not one penny of of uh, government funding in this museum, not one penny. And we're in the process right now of of donating, setting up the foundation to donate the land, the building, the contents, um, and enough, give it enough of an endowment to pay expenses for forty years. It's donation only by entrance. So so there's no um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard for people if you come in here and you have a problem, it means the problem isn't really here in the museum. it's it's their problem. and that's what we uh, you know, like I say, you you'll never make everybody happy. Some people are just purely unhappy their whole life and and yeah, why 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 even worry about it? Right. I would, I I would
1: say I, I would say that in your case, that's absolutely got to be true. Because, like I say, you could figure out very quickly with a Google search what you're about to behold. Um, Then, like, I don't know, there's other people that think that hunting is evil. Yeah, I mean. And And and... I think that they really think that. I don't think it's that they're, that those people are, like, um, trying to draw attention to themselves, or necessarily, or that they, that they're unfulfilled and angry. I think there's people who just legitimately think that hunting has no place in modern society, you know. And I think that they're arguing from a place of good faith, probably.
2: Yeah, th- there's no question about it. Um, and and I've said that many times to people that are pro hunting. Okay. We have to understand that there's a percentage of the population that truly, ideologically, philosophically, what, whatever their reasoning is, that that truly do not like hunting. And and by extension, do not like hunters, do not like their families, do not like anything they've ever accomplished or or any good they're doing. Yeah,
1: that's taking it too far. You got to separate the sin from the sinner, Um, no matter what your stance is. But those people are taking it too far when they extend it to like, I don't like hunting, therefore I don't like that person. You know, that's...
2: Yeah, and if someone's doing good... And, i mean family you know why why spray paint throw cans of red paint on on a wife of a, an outfitter you know does that make any sense why follow oh, that's that school yeah yeah oh, wow. and, you know, not not to my wife fortunately but uh yeah um yeah we had some issues here back in the day with a, a group called bear watch which was an animal rights group um and and yeah it was horrible I mean it was horrible what they were doing to to you know, to the extent of sending poison razor blades on the edge of letters, you know that you would open up and hopefully slice your thumb. And oh wow, yeah, it, it was you know. So I mean, as a, as a hunter, you know, my my record is eighty eight death threats in in twenty four hours. Um, Whoa, wow, but, uh, our daughter what
1: precipitated that was it. Some it had to be some acute. No, it, that, right?
2: but, be, be, I was asked to go down to to um, Paraguay to. Do a presentation to their government on the benefits of hunting and conservation, and because there is no recognition of hunting, and there's no management strategy in place for the wildlife, other than they say there's no hunting, but there absolutely is hunting. You know it, it's just they they kind of you know see no evil, speak no evil, but they they act to the world there's no hunting, but there actually is. I mean I you, see. tomorrow you can go down there and if you kill a jaguar, you'll get a hundred dollars for the tail. Um, you know, it's a bounty. And and yet jaguars are one of the most highly protected animals around. Well, why is that? Because there's no value for a jaguar other than a, as it as if it's dead. And yeah, there's some tourism dollars, but it's you know the reality is that that they're being killed right now today. There was a jaguar killed, guaranteed in Paraguay. So so you know some people high up in their government asked me to come and and basically grid Paraguay and and let them know what's there, what what is possible for in the way of hunting and, and whatnot. And and they gave me export permits for any animals that I hunted. Um yeah, and, and there was, you know, there was stipulations of what I could and couldn't hunt. Um Jaguar was definitely not something I could hunt, but 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 when I did my presentation to the government, um uh the local press and local press, mainstream media, they make two dollars for bad news and one dollar for good news so how do you think they're going to spin anything like that um so when that came out in in their national press they, they called me a, a bandito Yanquito, or something like that an american bandit but I, i'm canadian anyway but it, but it uh it made front page news for about 3 days and and so the, during that period i was you know you, you get death threats but um you know from
1: from people in paraguay or or did it spread
2: so, yeah no it's mostly from down south Okay. Um, you know, we we followed up on some of them uh, just to see who was the perpetrator of these threats, and they were pretty vile. I mean, these are, you know, people they, they would tear people limb from limb at least, you know, typing that they would, um, mm-hmm. as as opposed to having an animal killed. Although they'll eat a cow, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. just the, mm-hmm. the 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 hypocrisy to me. But that's again, there are people that truly believe that. You know, I'm a vegan and I don't, uh, I don't eat meat and I don't think it should. However, their soybeans are monocultures with millions and millions, tens of millions of acres that's destroyed wildlife habitat. I mean, you, every one of us has blood on our hands of the wildlife of this world. There's probably 10 billion animals today being killed. When you talk about shrimp and prawns and crabs and fish and and insects hitting windshields. I mean we are all responsible nobody and nobody that's on two legs and sentient human being can deny that they're they're part of the problem eight billion of us
1: yeah you know, i mean i, I don't want to jainists get... you know about the jainists no, yeah like, they sweep
0: like a... as they walk they sweep the the dirt in front of them so they don't step on anything wow they're a,
1: they're a hindu sect yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah.
2: And, and that's you know that's that's great um Part of the reason that we're here on this planet, if we look really to the basics, are to propagate our species. And, and we've been very successful at it. You know, there's 8 billion of us. Um, not as successful as chickens. There's 25 billion chickens, but about as successful as cattle, 7 billion cows out there. Um, if, if you look at it in a biological sense, our, our purpose is to propagate and we've done well to, to, you know, spend time to brush the earth in front of you there wouldn't be 8 billion of us right now. And, and there'll be people that say, well, that's a good thing. And and maybe well, it is. I don't well, know.
1: there's not, there's 9 billion of us, isn't there? There's which 9 billion of us. I, I don't
2: think so. I think we just hit the 8 billion mark here. 8 right? I think billion? It's eight.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think it's 8 billion. We just hit it. Okay.
2: But, but have no, have no fear. We're going to reach 9 billion in the not too distant future.
1: So, yeah, I don't know. I'm barely asking this question, but because it's just too philosophical, but, when you say our purpose is to propagate, where where is this purpose coming from? Is this something that we decided ourselves?
2: No, no, that, that's innate. Uh, I don't care what species it is around the world. Your 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 goal is to have children. You know, and, and yes, we can we can uh, you know gain philo- philosophically decide to not have children. That's fair enough, um, and there's very good reasons for not. For some people, yeah. But Generally, as a species, like every other species, we want to have babies and and see them have babies and and you know have great grandchildren. Uh, yeah, you know, we may think we're above nature, but we're just part of nature. We're we are we're not cosmic event in this this whole uh, you know big universe. We're we're our purpose is like every other animal: survive and and
0: propagate jim since you've seen the real threats and i mean 88 death threats is no joke from the antis you probably
1: one day in one episode
0: yeah that's crazy you probably place the threat from antis a lot higher than say myself uh you mean place them as in like moving forward for the future of hunting where where do you see the antis playing a role well,
2: I I think that they're an undeniable part of it. I mean, and they always have been. I I would venture that the caveman that came in was a was a superb hunter, providing for the you know the rest of the tribe um, was probably vilified by a percentage of the people. Uh, you know, ten percent were good hunters, and and eighty uh, percent were okay hunters, and you know, on the scale to maybe crappy hunters, and then there was the non hunters. And the anti-hunters, I I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't doubt that someday they're going to identify a gene that, that, uh, makes somebody a hunter, you know, I it mean, almost
1: seems see, I, yeah. So, you know, most traits are governed by many, many genes, you know, so uh, there's very few traits that are Mendelian inherited where it's governed by one gene, um, how litmus paper tastes is one. Uh, and then so, some, but, uh, somebody,
2: uh, somebody here went to genetics in university and learned about Drosophila. Yeah. Form.
1: So, but I'm getting to a very simple point. I agree with you. And, and it could be that that really is governed, whether you want to hunt or not is really governed by one gene. Like you could be right about that. Cause it's an on off switch in people.
2: I, yeah, I'm not disagreeing if you read my novel, you, I actually address some of that in the novel um you know not not in not in depth uh, but I, I do bring it up and and so yeah you're not you're not going to find me disagreeing and, you know like I say in the novel I, I talk about that.
1: that I have one friend that's a avid hunter and his daughters have no interest and then I have another friend. Who has no interest in hunting and hit but somehow one of his daughters is rabid about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that that's I've seen it many examples of that. I mean older now, I'm sixty-five. I've seen over the decades examples of, of the hunting desire skipping generations. I mean yeah. it, it just why is that? It, there can only be one thing because you're your your nurturing is about the same when you learn right. how to nurture right. from exactly. your parents. But, yeah. So what has really changed, and it's not because they've urbanized or rural moved to the rural uh, side of the world. They're they're just it's just inside you. You are you know either you are or you aren't. And like I say, I think in the past we've had to be to a degree. Everybody tried it, but there was ten percent were really good at it, and ten percent were really crappy at it, and eighty percent were this way or that way on it, depending on their luck. So so I, you know I, I think I think they'll identify a gene someday. I mean, let's face it, if you really break it down on the science side, we're all just a product of, of this enzyme and that protein and and that molecule mixed in. I mean, I mean I'm mean, yeah. i suffering from arthritis right now. I can't lift my arm. You know, I, I couldn't walk up a mountain if I was paid right now. And if you told me that a year ago, you know, but what is it? The scientists or doctors just say it's some little imbalance in, in my immune system that makes me get inflammation. What the heck's inflammation? Well, that's some kind of little chemical. They can't even explain it. So, so yeah, we're, we're just a product of a whole bunch of molecules and, and, uh, and atoms all mixed together. And this is what we get now. Yeah. You know, the, if you're, if three, you're
1: three parts nature and maybe one part nurture,
2: I would say, I would say that's probably a pretty reasonable, you know, division. We, uh,
0: Matt and I, on this podcast, we've talked about some of the threats. And fortunately, we've... T- threats to hunting. And fortunately, we both really haven't experienced the impacts of of the antis and their, and their role in legislation. Do you guys want to talk about some of the other threats for the future hunting?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I'd be interested in knowing what Jim Shockey thinks the right posture is for the hunting community to minimize the threat to anti from antis. What what should we be doing?
2: Yeah. I I think, you know, what, what you would see here in this hand of man museum, it's a, it's the presentation of the hunting. You, You know, we've done lots of hero shots and here's me with my dead animal, big smiling for someone that doesn't hunt. I mean, I get why they would look at that and go, Wow, that's offensive. That person, their whole entire goal is, is to kill something. But we all know as hunters that that's, you know, a tiny fraction of this, you know, three dimensional ball that makes up hunting. It, it, it's almost an insignificant part of it. You know, I think it was Ortega de Gasset, the Spanish philosopher that said, you know, I don't hunt to kill, but I kill to have hunted. So, so killing is necessary if you're, and, and if we're going to eat it, it's pretty hard to get them to volunteer. You know, and, and euthanize themselves. Um, so, so, but, but the kill is a tiny part of it. So, it, I think it really comes down to our our presentation. You know.
1: So I would, could you? Th- 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 this is the reason why I would say it'd be a good idea to just completely dispense with hunting TV and and hunting social media. I don't see it doing any favor. I, I'd see it as negative in a whole panoply of areas. I'm not mm-hmm. primarily concerned with the antis. I'm for. Pre- I'm concerned with hunting TV and hunting social media, leading to the privatization of, of hunting opportunity. Um, but so, but that we we don't even need to discuss that today. But but even if I was pred- predominantly concerned with the antis, which is not my concern primarily, I'd say there's still a strong justification for doing away with hunting tv and hunting social media i just pulled up a few quotes from the humane society and 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 people for the ethical treatment of animals from their website and their social media account a few days ago for this talk i'm getting ready to give at the pope and young banquet um i'll just read a couple of these trophy hunters kill tens of thousands of wild wild animals worldwide each year why they argue it promotes wildlife conservation and help local communities. Their social media posts glorifying this violence with photos of themselves posing besides animals they just murdered, say otherwise. I'll just read one more. I could go on and on for days with yeah. you. Uh, killing magnific- magnificent wild animals for fun and social media bragging is not only wrong, but a serious detriment conservation. So I think in my mind, when people put dead and dying wildlife on social media, they're threatening my hunting, which pisses me off, you know?
2: Yeah. It's a, again, when I post, a a, uh, uh, you know, hero shot, we call it, um, the trophy animal. If I'm with my moose, I'm, I'm proud of that. That's, that's a, uh, it, it, a trophy by definition is a a, a memory or an object that is, is a reminder of an accomplishment or an event in the past. And, and so when I post that picture of me with a moose, I always, you can go back to my social media, uh, I'll post an explanation for anybody that's a non-hunter. Uh, the anti-hunters you'll never reach. I, I truly believe that that's, you know, 10% there, 10% here. You're never the twain we're going to I meet. think we
1: reach them in the sense that we um, <clears throat> we embolden them, and you we know, make them more angry by showing them this stuff.
2: Yeah, we, we, we certainly enable them to, to say things like you just read to us.
1: It's low-hanging fruit for them.
2: Yeah, and it's easy if, again, I, I think if it's going to be posted, there needs to be – you know, not the classic disclaimer, but at least a some sort of a, uh, an explanation for the non hunters. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't. I, you know, there, there's the, the group that hunts that says, you know, damn them, just let's just do it, and who cares? And it, that that's not realistic going forward, especially with social media nowadays, because you it's not staying inside your circle. It's going outside your circles. It's going, yeah. The and they're world. saying
1: that for people that don't post anything, like myself. You know, yeah. they're saying yeah, damn exactly. them, damn whatever they think. And like they're doing that for me. They're making that choice for me, which
2: yeah, but I really again, struggle with. I, I but I, I, I would, I would say so, social media is a, a double edged sword. You, you know, you can hurt your cause and and your beliefs, or you can promulgate it if you do it properly. So to to just say no, you know, does that really address the issue or does it hide from it? You know, so so I don't know that getting rid of the those kind of a sh- those kind of shots, those photographs, is the right way to go. I think the right way to go is to explain to people. It gives you an opportunity every single time that that uh, one of these photographs goes viral. It gives us an opportunity to tell the truth, to tell what it really means, to to explain the the depth of our, our spirituality when it comes to hunting, you know, how hunting is, is us getting in touch with our ancestral soul. You cannot speak like that if you don't have a forum to speak to. So, or speak. Well, can't you
1: do it without, without a dead animal or a kill shot?
2: You know, it's like saying, is can I start a social media
1: controversy?
2: Yeah, well, I don't know how else you can get the the message out there. What goes viral? You know, I said earlier, good news is $1, bad news sells for $2. So how do you get something to go viral? I, I had a wonderful day today, and look at this pretty picture of my outdoors. You, you think that's going to go viral? No, it's not. You're not going to reach as many people. Now, is it good? Is it bad? I think it depends on the messaging. So I think yeah, we just…
1: I, I, most, the things that go most viral are Cecil Lyon. I, don't know
2: if yeah, it's I mean, it, it, that. again, if, if you look at it as an opportunity to reach more people. And that's what social media is. Why do you, why do you think these kids jump off buildings and, and nearly, you know, and die, you know, cause they, they want attention and, and they don't get it by just saying, Hey, it's a wonderful day. Th- th- um,
0: yeah. That's that, that's in my opinion, the root of the problem is that there's no barrier to entry. If you are just a guy that wants to show the hunt, he went on, Everybody has a camera on their phone. Everybody has the ability to upload to YouTube or their social media platform and there's there's no editor, there's no there's no barrier to entry. I mean, back in the day, if you wanted to get your your picture published, you had to go through an editor and a series of of roadblocks.
2: It's, it's, sorry to do this, my dog is chewing on one of the cables in our Never,
1: so. <laughs> this yeah, must be a young
2: a dog. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to leave Baby, our, our seven-month-old dog, and she's like 80 pounds already. She's not going to be a ballerina. I was going to leave her with Louise, my wife, but she said, no way, you're taking her. So, <laughs> that's
0: all so right. I have she, three German Shepherds. so
2: Yeah, so so you understand when they're young there. So she's chew- chewing on the, the cable that would have lost her whole feed here, I'm sure. So. <laughs> Oh, I apologize, but go, sorry about that. Uh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying that there's there's no barrier to entry, so there's no there's no oversight. There's no one telling that person, "Hey, this is this looks bad. This is this is not going to bode well for the hunting community."
1: Yeah, and you, and you yeah, get the- yeah, but even the most like even the most I look at the most tasteful stuff, and it's still somebody sitting there bragging, and it's still like most a lot of times there'll be a bunch of hashtags. Underneath with gear companies, which I could think goes against the North American model of wildlife management. It certainly goes against um, George Grinnell's like code of a code of a outdoorsman, which said there should be no profit from game killed. Grinnell, like for people that don't know, he's the co-founder of Boone and Crockett Club along with Teddy Roosevelt. So e- even if it's even if it's not somebody. Bashing a head, a dead, a half dead coyote that they just ran over with their snowmobile on a rock, which I saw last week. It's it, it, to me, it still is not helpful with, with non hunters and and hunters. Like the, the intersection of commerce and dead wildlife, I don't, I, I. it makes me root for PETA, you know, and I'm a lifelong hunter.
2: You know, it, it, you start. You you start infringing on people's rights.
1: Uh, 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 Ah, Jim, just careful. I
2: I know. I'm not
1: passing, trying to pass any laws. I
2: I know, but but the the problem is, you know, not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody thinks like me. And and uh, and and I, I see it all the time. You know, like I say, damn them. Let's just. Why should we? Why should I hide what I do? And this is what I love. Yeah, it's, it's, we're so dichotomized nowadays and in, into little specific groups that you believe that you do believe you hunt, but you don't think pictures, you hunt that you think pictures should be shown, you, you hunt and you think we should not only be showing them, but we should be shoving in people's faces, you know, you, you hunt, but you keep it quiet, you know, that's in our own group, you know, yeah. that, that are hunters, yeah. and, and I, uh, you know, I, it, the more we divide ourselves up and i'm sure on the animal rights side there's people that say you know we should just go blow up their boat let's let's put a, a you know a, a mail let's send them a mail bomb this has happened you know and i'm sure that there's many people that are believing in animal welfare that look at that and go find that repugnant and abhorrent um so so you know but they stick together because you know they they want to affect a change in the end and and they don't want to be a, a tiny, you know, smaller number. Um, yeah. So, so I, you it's know. It's weird not,
1: to have this conversation because it's not even the, the antis that I think are destroying honey.
2: Not I, even the antis?
1: It's not the antis that are the threat in my, in my mind. The, the yeah, threat I in my mind, because I only care about publicly accessible non-pay honey. Um, and there's lots of, there's lots of, uh. Historical precedents that suggest that that's a good thing to care about. Um, I always read this quote by by Eldo Eldo Leopold, um, writing in the Journal of Forestry in 1919. He's talking about a, a kind of hunter, and I, I fit this description. They hunt national forests for other reasons than merely inability to own a private shooting preserve or pay dues in an exclusive club regardless of the cost, there's an ingrained repugnance in the heart of many sportsmen to having their sport served to them in a spoon. There's a certain rugged independence, which eschews bought in sport. He's talking about me there. And um, there's also with public trust doctrine uh, going all the way back to Magna Carta, the British system and and and, and Roman civil law. Before that, the Indicates that 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 citizens should have a a right to access game for hunting. So, like that's where I'm at. Is that's what I'm trying to restore? And I say restore in much of the country because it's gone much of the country, and protect. And I see social media and hunting TV way more than being a threat, giving fuel to the antis. I think it, it, as it is. It, Absolutely horrible for publicly accessible non-pay hunting. It's, yeah. it's free advertising for people that want to develop hunting properties and sell them, or people that want to. lease out their land, you know. It, so that's that, and it's not even. I used to have to make the argument that that was a byproduct, but it's it's more than that. It's like. The hunting industry admits it themselves. There are TV shows like Whitetail Properties or The Hunting Land Man where they show you hunting con- attractive hunting content and then try to sell you a piece of property afterwards. You know, like where's, the trying to, where's, the, where's the trying to make sure everybody has a place to go? There's none of that mm-hmm. anymore. It's just commodifying, privatizing. And that's where my... my big concern is with hunting TV and hunting social media is it's pushing us towards a European model of wildlife management. The hunting industry is pushing us towards a European model. The nonprofits who are just really the the handmaiden to the hunting industry now are pushing us towards privatization.
2: Yeah. uh, uh, I'll I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll play devil's advocate here. Uh, and I'm not—I don't disagree with you. In a perfect world, it would be wonderful if everybody had a spot to go hunting, and and you know we'd all be able to do like Grinnell wants—is—is is walk through the forest and and enjoy the sunrises without any other sounds of quads and motorboats and airplanes. And but that was 1919. I mean, that was a long time ago. The world has changed. You've got—we talked about it earlier—eight billion people today. So the reality is. Is there enough space, wild space, for that many people anymore?
1: No, that's why we need to abandon hunting recruitment, and that why we need to abandon hunting promotion, because there isn't enough. Uh, there isn't not nearly enough resource. Thank God, you don't have to hunt to be a fulfilled human being. Otherwise, ninety-five percent of people in this country would be unfulfilled because only five percent hunt. So, in my mind, we should find we we should be encouraging people to play soccer or chess not hunt
2: (laughs) you you, you know you're 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 speaking a truth that most people can't handle and 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 nor has it been our goal in this industry over the last you know 40 50 years when hunting numbers have been dropping you know when we were a rural civilization we we you know, hunting was just part of what everybody did. But I mean, there was no deer around when my dad was a youngster because they killed them all, because everybody hunted. And and you know, the reality is, there's too many of us on this earth. You know, mm-hmm. there. I said it. It's right. Not, Which is an excellent
1: like, reason to give up hunting promotion, in my view.
2: Yeah, but then it's then you get into the what about the next generation that wants to hunt that has it inside them that you you say go play chess. And, and no, there's, more what, there's no, more no,
1: I, I make a distinction between like what I think the nonprofit should do would be have a phone number and an email address. If you want to hunt, call us. But that's not the way it works. The hunting industry and the hunting nonprofits put out glitzy advertising, social media campaigns. They love to collaborate with Joe Rogan, who stands at the nexus of the hunting and non hunting industry with a huge platform and never shuts up about it, um, to bring people into hunting. So, in my, I make a major distinction between, between providing a service for people that want to learn how to hunt and trying to entice people into a pastime that's already saturated.
2: You know, if, if it's under threat, you know, Joe Rogan, we'll take him as an example. He reaches more non-hunters than arguably anybody. I mean, Ted Nugent may be up there, but but Joe Rogan, uh, I would say the metrics would show that he reaches more people with a pro-hunting message. Now, if you're in a battle, um, and I'm talking figuratively, I'm not talking about duking it out, but but if you're in a battle to preserve your tradition that you want, which you still obviously want, and you still want the opportunities to be there. They could be taken from you unless you have the numbers, numbers talk, dollars talk. Um, if you don't have the the people supporting you when it comes to a vote on whether hunting should be banned, just ban it because the majority of the people you said at 95% don't hunt. So if they decide, why should we, why do we need hunting? What are you going to do about it? You know, well, you
1: can- Joe Rogan trophy hunts and, the vast majority of Americans, and he puts grip and grins huge bulls on social media. The vast majority of Americans are opposed to trophy hunting. They, the vast majority of Americans are on board with hunting for meat. So there's there's that. I he he's playing right into their hands there. And then what he's doing, I don't even consider it to be hunting. I call it Disneyland hunting. Like he goes to places where it costs fifteen thousand dollars. It would cost me fifteen twenty thousand dollars to go hunt there. You know, like I I always say, he's like a kid that went to Disney World and rode Space Mountain and then came home thinking he was an astronaut. You know, it's like he, he models privatization. You know, he, he models everything that I think is the biggest threat because I'm not focused on the antis. I'm focused on the hunting industry and the hunting celebrities jacking up the value of access to wildlife and making it a pay to play thing that i have no interest in and i'm trying to protect i i the bet i'm waging and jim is waging is that there's some segment of us out there that really don't see the point in paying to hunt like i would rather if i'm going to pay for access to go shoot a deer i just go buy a steer at that point
2: i i just i'm just going to interject here is it because the 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 kill is what what you want or is it because the experience you want because w- when joe rogan goes on that hunt there's no guarantee he's just his dollars are actually going to preserve that you know that little sanctuary of, of wildlife you call it space mountain but it's, the reality is they're they're not high fenced it, it's it's a habitat that's preserved and what preserves what buys back the habitat from cattle in in north america uh, you know, I'm, I'm not so much Canada because we have so much crown land, but but down in the states, particularly, you know, dollars and and an elk can't go buy land for itself to live on and its progeny to live on. It, it, that takes dollars, and and it you know you want it to be no charge for public access, and I, I get that. I mean, I me too. Oh, I don't I don't want to pay anything, but but I don't look at it as I'm paying for the animal on the hunt. I I look at it as the dollars are going to protect habitat and, and no matter how you slice or dice it, the, the more money that those animals bring in, the more habitat they're going to have to live on and the more opportunities are going to be. But, but because there's 8 billion of us now, and there's not enough space, the 1919 reality is not the reality of 2023. So at some point, um, regardless of of how much we don't want to pay for it at some point we have to start thinking about the wildlife and start buying back habitat for wildlife and and then it then we'll find out who the true hunters are is is
0: there's is there's much. always a cost as it, trust it, me as somebody who travels from Pennsylvania to go out west to go to the midwest to go to Alaska there's always a cost
1: i i take my dollars and my time and I use those dollars dollars of time not to buy an outfit or sponsored tag or, a, or or go to Nevada or go or go to Utah and put in for some auction for some fifty thousand dollar elk. And that doesn't even go into the wildlife treasury in that state. Um, it goes into the general coffers. But I take my money and my time, I could afford to get a lease for myself. I don't have any kids. I got a good job. I just it goes against the whole point of hunting to me. But when I take my dollars and my time and what I do with that is I use it to make it so that everybody, try to make it so everybody has an opportunity. And I I just don't, I'm not on board with people like Joe Rogan that pays money so that he can have an opportunity and then puts it all over social media to jack up the price for everybody else. Everything I do with my dollars is to make it so more in my and the huge commitment of time I have into my nonprofit honors for access, and everything I'm doing with this podcast is it's like ridiculous amounts of time is devoted to, to towards help helping everybody place have a place to go, not just me.
2: And, and I think that's altruism at its at its finest. Thank thank goodness that there are people doing that. And and you know if there was more people putting more, more money, there'd be more opportunity. Uh, you know, like our, our museum, our hand-to-man museum, and there's not one dollar in, in government funding in here, and we're giving it all away, my wife and I. I mean, you know, I could go buy a private jet with what this, you know, building and, and the contents are worth, and and we're giving it enough money to cover expenses for 40 years. It's because yeah. I want everybody to have the opportunity to see what it is. But if you're relying on on the government to do that, they're not going to do it. Like I said earlier, they're decolonizing their museums. They're making them, you know, woke correct, and and it, this wouldn't be here for the youngsters to see. Yeah. So so you have to, no matter what how you look at this, and I don't care where the money comes from, but ultimately, it, it <laughs> the money has to come from somewhere, and and it's probably not going to come from government. You say it goes to the general coffers in Utah, and I, and I don't know the situation there, but but if it goes to general Crawford, do you think the politicians don't see that and recognize it and and somehow put a dollar
1: value on it of course they do you know there's a dollar yeah, value the, pol- the politicians in my view what's happened is that the hunting industry and hunting entertainment has created a market for hunting access and the politicians have wised up to this like in my state montana the politicians um are constantly trying to get, get tags to large landowners that are their constituents. Um, and it's because there's a lot of monetary value in those tags that's been created through through hunting promotion. So yeah, I think that, that hunting promotion has has corrupted the political process. It's no longer about the North American model and public trust doctrine. Ensuring, trying to get access for everybody to the state's wildlife, it's it, now it's a it's a money grab, you know.
2: Well, yeah, again, if you're a landowner, and and, and again, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm just I'm just taking the, the devil's advocate side on this. And Yeah, because I don't. know
1: you know, it's like the hunting industry. When you talk about where the money's going to come from. The the hunting industry could be helping us, but they don't. They just buy up land for themselves. You know, they take the money we give them for products and they use it to uh, buy up land for them and their buddies or buy up land and then market it as exclusive hunting property. So like, we have this multi-billion, billion billion dollar industry um, that's funded by the sportsmen. And then they take, you know, it's like, they, they take the money we give them for clothes and guns and then make it so there's nowhere for us to use the clothes and guns.
2: Well, I, that's one way to look at it. The other way is to look at it as it, just safe. We'll, we'll take a hypothetical example. A gun manufacturer makes a billion dollars and goes and buys, uh, you know, say he buys a $900 million ranch in Colorado, we'll pick a state, um, and then he turns it into a hunting ranch. Well, why does he do that? because he's getting a return on investment and how is he getting return on investment? Well, cattle ranching is not as lucrative as, as wildlife, you know, outfitting, I guess, on these lands or a portion of it that's maybe not wildlife habitat can be used for ranching, farming, but the balance, instead of being raised for forestry, you know, to cut down trees for logging industry, it's kept as, as wildlife habitat. So what what you're saying is, is, is not necessarily the best for wildlife. And, and ultimately that should be all of our goals, no matter what or where you sit on this hunting spectrum. You know, I want all public land, I want just private, I can afford private, I can't afford private, access Grinnell's 100 you know, year old uh, idea of what utopia is. The, the reality is we should all care about the wildlife. And if wildlife is benefiting from Joe Rogan talking about you know, these expensive hunts, and, and promoting those expensive hunts, even at the even at the expense of people that don't want to pay and can't afford to go on these hunts, if the wildlife benefits, and th- this is where I think the the um, our goal we have to define our goal on this.
1: If you're yeah, hunter- I don't think the wildlife benefits from hunting promotion at all, and I I found dozens of studies that talk about the in the effect of intense hunting pressure on wildlife. So hunting promotion leads to more hunters, which leads to intense hunting pressure. And that has negative impacts all over the spectrum on a, on tons of different wildlife species. Um, spatial distributions is the most scientifically proven. Everything from ptarmigan to elk to brown bear to whitetail, mule deer, waterfowl. Peer-reviewed studies showing that it, that intense hunting pressure uh, messes with their use of habitat. You know, these animals are where they are for a reason, because there's a fitness cost to moving from that area to that area, a negative fitness cost. So um, I'd say that that ain't good when animals are not spending time where they think they need to be because of hunting pressure. But there's also many, many studies that are much more direct. There's studies on uh, intense hunting pressure, reduces nutrient acquisition in elk. And these are in good journals I'm looking at too, like Ecosphere, Journal of Wildlife Management, um, Southwestern Naturalist. It reduces calf to cow ratio in elk, pregnancy rates in elk, lipid storage in gadwall ducks, body mass in mallards, infanticide rates in brown bear. And this is just a sample, so I'm not. I am not convinced at all that turning more people into hunters does something positive for wildlife.
2: Again, you're you're speaking a, a truth that people don't want to hear. Um, but but the the cure for every all those studies is is what not intense hunting pressure. Well, how do you how do you de-intensify hunting pressure? You increase the mono land the access to it. So it's supply and demand. You you you, demand's higher. So you increase the supply. Well, how do you increase the supply? You're going to need more habitat. How do you get more habitat? You have to buy more land for the wildlife on behalf. You have to act as their stewards. And how does it? How do you get more land? Well, it takes money. So so again, you're arguing something that I think.
1: Well, in, it, could, it could also be that you just stop hunting promotion. I, yeah,
2: I mean, I guess I, that would be an experiment to see if that. Would I mean that's a really interesting sure
1: thing to do in my mind compared to trying to get do habitat restoration, which is something I do for a living, and it's, it's devilishly hard.
0: But there there's money involved, and and the the toothpaste is out of the tube; it's not going back. Uh, I, I don't thinking.
1: know about that. Like that's that's something I talk about a lot. Like they call it hysteresis. Do you, things work in reverse the same way they go forward? So we we impart hunting media and that's what turned where i live from in the 80s where my friends dads could hunt all the surrounding ranch land and banging on doors and um, then came hunting tv we input hunting tv and then social media and then that leads to now access is shit um, I'm not convinced that it doesn't work the same way in reverse. If you take out hunting media, um, maybe it goes back to the way it way, way it was. And that's why I tell people, you know, stop looking at that stuff.
2: I, I, again, I, I would just argue that the ranchers who are getting money now that weren't getting it back in the 80s are probably not going to be too impressed if, if suddenly there's no demand and there's no money. They're not, they don't care about the wildlife. Why would they care? Uh, you know, we care because we're stewards of the world. I
1: don't think that anybody in this part of the world, any rancher, is doing anything for wildlife. These lands are just productive prairie. I don't see any of these ranches, whether they're outfitted or not, doing like any kind of thing to bolster wildlife
2: if if they're assigning land because they're getting x amount of revenues from it they're doing something it, 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 what i've seen around the world is the instant that the wildlife isn't worth the the lower the wildlife is worth in a dollar value so the meat markets in africa uh the the less they care about it the less land they preserve for it the less habitat they try and you know keep for the wildlife that they, they 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 just kill everything. And and, and I'm not saying that, that would happen here in North America in the near future. But but I also don't disagree with you about how things reverse. Talk to me, talk to me in ten thousand years, talk to me yeah. in a hundred thousand, talk to me in a million years. Talk to me about the mammoths. Where are they right now? You know, the where where are the step bison? There was millions of them. They're gone. And and so things reverse, things happen. Nature's a, a, a big entity that we tend to look at in our fairly confined snapshot in time uh view of the world 10 years back 20 years 40 years maybe 100 We we'll go back to Grinnell or you know maybe maybe we're thinking into the future five years 10 years what's in it for me um again uh, my perspective and my travels and part of this museum is is to show the a continuum that the yeah, others change you know we're we are instruments of nature's change yep. and, and
0: the, no, the, no
1: matter what we're talking about in this whole hunting sphere, more education is better. So, we
0: have Jim, that. and that's what like when when Matt and I have had conversations about like hunting TV, I've used your shows as an example of what a hunting TV show should consist of. You've always had a travel aspect. You all you've always had an educational component, and you've always shown. What is missing from ninety nine percent of hunting TV is the cultural importance of hunting. How do you look at the news shows that have none of that and just show the grip and grins?
2: You know, here here's the thing. I I mean, I don't want to judge anybody. It's not not for me to judge. What I've learned in my travels, three hundred six days a year for the last twenty years. And, and 200 days a year before that is, is tolerance and, and perspective. And, and there is no right and there is no wrong. There's, there's cultural perspectives. Um, so I, I don't want to judge the new shows and, and, you know, throw them under the bus. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch them, frankly. Um, and not everybody is a storyteller and they also, not everybody, you, you know, Hunting for them isn't necessarily, and part of it may be age. And you know, at the beginning, it was, you know, what I hunted for. Then, it, then it became, you know, how I hunted. Archery. I wanted it to be more difficult. muzzle uh, Muzzleloader. And then, it, you know, now for me, it's why I hunt. And and you know, but I'm 65 years old. I've I've lived this life, and I've I've gone through that phase. And and most of the hunting television hosts are younger. I mean. So maybe they're not quite there yet at, at the why we hunt, um, but but you said it about the example. Um, you know, I try with our shows to to set an example, and and by success on the shows and longevity. I mean, we've been on the air for thirty years. Um, you know, and and, and and you know sat near the top of the heap anyway on on um, you know by whatever measurements you're using. You know, so so the storytelling the the. You know the components of a hunt: family, humor, uh, culture, adventure, and and the animal. Right. That's the five components. If I had that in equal quality or equal quantity in each show, I thought that was the best show we could do. So, you, by example, you show that. Hey, if you do it this way, you can be successful at it. Um, I'm hoping that there's some of the younger generation that of TV hosts and producers see that and 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 emulate our example. I, I think. You know, I, I'm not all doom and gloom on it either. I, the, um, you know, the, the field to table lifestyle. First of all, we have to, pr- we have to protect our home, which is the field to table lifestyle. No matter where we sit on that spectrum of hunting, what we want, whether we think paid hunting TVs, you know, the, the internet or the social media, we have to protect our home. And, and that's meaning when we can reach out into the public and say field to table lifestyle, there's, You know, there's a spiritual relationship with the wildlife. We get in touch with our ancestral soul. We have a, you know, we live a healthier lifestyle than buying a cow. And I don't want to throw the ranchers under the bus either, because a lot of them are hunters, and it's on their land that the wildlife resides in most cases. Farmers and whatnot. So, so I I just think if, you know, if we simplify it too much and say it's social media and it's television. You know, I, I think that that also does a disservice to it. We have to be, look at the but, bigger picture. But
1: nobody side. is saying that except us. Some, like, like they're, like, saying things like, I don't want to throw anything about under the bus. You know, they have their way. I think there are some things that are just, are just wrong. So I, like, I guess that's a philosophical difference between you and I, is that I do see thing, some things as wrong. And, like, there is this gridlock where everybody that makes money off hunting, they can't take a tough stand on anything, anything that's at all outside the three or four things. Like, we're concerned about the antis. That's a safe statement. You can say that, you know. Um, But, like. It's because it's all so interconnected with money that nobody can take a tough stance on anything. Like, let's say um, the nonprofits—they said, oh, uh, "We're gonna we're gonna lobby for a law that makes it so hunters in the U.S. can only shoot one elk a year." That seems fairly reasonable. You want more hunters? You're doing all of the R three. You want to bring more people in? Well, let's spread the wealth around and not have people killing five. Well, where do the nonprofits get their money? They get their money from the hunting industry. and The hunting industry isn't going to like that because the hunting industry makes a shitload of money advertising with hunting celebrities that are a bunch of gluttons and kill five elk a year. So it's like somebody has got to say the things that are hard to say, in my view. And I can do it because I don't make any money off.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I wish it was that simple. Uh, I, I, so, just, I honestly, where I am
1: I oversimplifying? Help me understand where I'm oversimplifying. Well, because you're, because, I, I think that other people are undersimplifying.
2: Yeah, I, I, and again, I'm not. You say we're philosophically different. No, I, I'm just because of your position. I'm, I'm saying, well, there is another point of view, and this is where tolerance comes in. You know, my travels. You know, I've just learned that. I'm not right, and I'm not wrong. There's there's different perspectives, and
1: I think that anybody that's killing five elk a year is being intolerant of other hunters. They're being they're being selfish. They're playing right into the anti's hands. I think that their how to content is complete, and all these guys that kill five six elk a year generate a ton of how to content that how to content is so illegitimate in my position, in my point of view, they don't care about, it's only to make money. They don't want you to be more successful. If they wanted you to be more successful. They'd share the game.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's, let's just take your, your idea. How many hunters kill two to five elk a year? How many, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you know that number?
1: Uh I No, I don't. don't, And it's not that many. And that's, but to me, that's not the point. The point is that's what's being modeled to the next generation as success. Not working on access, not working on habitat, not trying to spread the wealth, not looking out for fellow hunters, providing opportunity for others if you're blessed with excess opportunity yourself. No, what's being modeled as success is being a game hog.
2: Yeah. Okay. So again, let's just say you passed that law and, 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 and I'm, I'm purely, and I'm taking, not
1: advocating for law. I, that was just an example. I'm not trying to pass yeah, anything.
2: But, 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 I. and again, believe me, I'm not on the philosophical side of, uh, of I think everybody needs to pay for wildlife. I, I'm as much with you as I am with everybody else. I, you know, I, I think Joe Rogan's a good thing. I, I think your, your comments are good things. So I'm not, all I'm saying is, you, if you want to affect a change then you have to also be a little bit pragmatic about it so how many people kill more than the two two to five elk we don't know that number but it's not very high
1: right. Agre- they agreed, didn't. but they're the biggest names in hunting and that's a problem
2: yeah I mean the uh, you know they have opportunity obviously they're paying for it for that opportunity. Like
1: if, if everybody could if everybody that had an elk tag last year, Killed that three elk. Like what's being modeled to them? Elk would be extinct.
2: Yeah, there'd be uh, well,
1: negative. There'd be negative two million elk in this country. So what they're putting forward is what looks like success. Be like me, buy my products. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, look. look there, there was there was a, a year I killed two moose. So certainly I'm not going to throw stones at, at someone that kills two to five elk. I, I just, yeah,
1: and, then, I, and then they, and then like, if you're going to kill a bunch of stuff, that's one sin in my view. The other sin is putting it on social media and TV, at least be quiet about it.
2: Yeah. Which in their case defeats the purpose of, of, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it, like I say, on the other hand, what I look at this is do the wildlife benefit and and the realistic you know, to be realistic about it, just say, and, and again, I'm just taking your your ideas and and extrapolating on them. It, it say it was one elk a year. So those guys, their their elk. Do you think those elk that they didn't take are just going to be free to anybody? Like free to you? Someone's going to call you up and say you get a free hunt. And we're we're talking maybe a hundred people, um, you know, doing that. So you, you know, your 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 numbers are are pretty insignificant in in terms of statistical uh, value yeah. but but, but well,
1: no, it, i I, don't, I think it's trivial yeah but these, I, it's it, trivial but it's what's being modeled to the next generation of hunting as what you should be going for and that's a prop. that's these are terrible like our role models are gluttonous
0: greedy horrible. i agree at the top of the at the top of the heap there are some guys that are just I mean, at some point, you go from being a hunter to killing. in In my personal opinion, because the body counts are just that high. Like one guy shot thirty plus animals in a year. But
1: you're right. Oh, well, Jim. I might as well just say that's Aaron Snyder. Like he's he said it on the podcast.
0: Well, um. well, another guy too that's going to be at the Pope and Young banquet also.
1: Oh, John Dudley.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Last year, he, John Dudley killed four white tail, two mule deer, two moose, four elk, one honk, pronghorn, and one black bear. So when John Dudley's teaching people how to shoot a bow, it's not because he wants them to be successful hunters. If he wanted that, he'd shoot one animal and then take take people out hunting.
0: But the the there still be a value. Jim, you are correct. If they and, stopped and, hunting it would go to the next guy with means any
1: of them on social media. Oh no, 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 we gotta get our credit for it, you know. It's just gross. It's just gross. I think. Uh, no, I, I, I don't, I, I don't I, think my yeah,
2: thing. I totally respect your opinion on that, you know, because I, I just am a little more tolerant of other people's perspectives and I don't I don't judge them based on my own set of values. I, I know my values and I know why I do things. And that's, you know, to judge somebody else's morality or ethics, you know, that, that's... Well,
1: it's unethical if, if you care about your fellow hunters. 84% of Americans approve of hunting for meat. 29% approve of hunting for trophies. He, this behavior is, is risking my hunting. So I don't think it's just a matter of like, oh, that's what you want to do to each his own. I think that that's, I I, I think that that's, the people consider me controversial. I think this is controversial. Shooting 20 big game animals and putting them out there for everybody on the planet to see. And my point is, I'm not trying to pass any laws. I'm just saying, hey, look, folks, if you're a hunter and you care about the future of hunting, stop looking at these people.
2: Uh, did, did I'm just curious I mean you said meat you mentioned the meat uh did this fellow waste the meat
1: who the what, who values meat more than somebody that's willing to go out and hunt for it you know like i I when I give game meat away, it's under contract. it's like in a year, I will check with you and if you still have this, I'm going to be taking it back <laughs> And there's been a lot of times where like none of it got eaten, you know? So like that, I gave the meat away to this, somebody that had some lackluster interest in it and was willing to take it and throw it in their freezer. No, it should be, honey opportunity is extremely precious in my view. And it should be maintained for people that want the meat enough to go out and get it.
0: I think we could agree that that you're right and and jim's making the point that that number of the people doing that is not significant enough to have an impact but the it's the visual that's that's bad publicly because they're putting their animals out there to see so it, it sends a bad message but its impacts are less because there's only a small minority of of people actually doing that or people that actually have the platform to do that because it takes a lot of time a lot of resources and a lot of money, frankly, and most people don't have schedules or careers that allow them to do that. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually agree with just about everything that that uh, everybody's saying on this podcast right now. I mean, yeah. like I said, I don't, I don't look at at, um, I just don't simplify things and, and say this is the cause and this is the root and and this will solve it because you you can complain about things. But unless you also offer a solution and, and, sh- and somehow are able to show me what the results are, you know, because I I care about the wildlife. You know, I, I don't I don't care so much about my own opportunities or or someone else's opportunities. I care about the wildlife. I truly truly care about the wildlife. And with my platform, with my voice, I, you know, I, I'm able. I'm 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 blessed. Uh, to be able to reach a lot of people with with messaging, and I I just I find if we if we take a stand that's that's uh, you know controversial, you mentioned it, um, and and truth or not, I think it's very you have to be very careful how you how you tell your truth and how you present your truth, and and I'm not disagreeing with you. I took I took the devil's advocate side on this because yeah, sure. because I I've just seen both sides fighting against the middle and, and, and the result is everybody dies and the wildlife suffers. I care about the wildlife. So, so that's truly what I care about in North America. So I've seen what's happened around the world. Um, Jim, I've, I've
0: heard you talk about elephants in Africa being done. What species collectively do we need to be worried about in, in North America? Mule deer, sheep, tails yeah, are doing I, great.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, again, I'm not a scientist. So I can just tell you from from, feet on the ground experience, I, I think sheep are, are are something that's a pretty fragile species. And and the reason is because, A, they're not iconic. A grizzly bear and a wolf is iconic. Uh, so non-hunters care about grizzly bears and wolves. But they, do they care about a sheep? It's a sheep. You know, do they care about their mutton on their table for dinner and their lamb chops? Yeah, they care about that. And so what are you going to have? You're going to have domestic sheep in their minds are better than wild sheep, even though they like the idea of wild sheep being on that mountain way over there, but I want my lamb chop. Um, And and it comes back to to habitat. Uh, You know, how do you get rid of the domestic sheep? Well, well, You've got to buy back the land and do not let, the, when you own the land, you can make the choice on whether there's going to be domestic sheep running all over, spreading, what do they spread? Uh, blue tongue or, uh, brucellosis. I'm not sure, but they,
0: it's some kind of pneumonia. Yeah. I was going to say it's yeah. a colder but, pneumonia. Yeah.
2: But, but the fact is, without that buffer, you know, land between those mountains and the domestic sheep, the sheep are, are, They're endangered in my mind in a a sense that the the future won't bode well for them if you and you and me and all the other hunters out there don't buy land for the sheep, the wild sheep, and keep the domestic sheep out. You're not going to stop the demand from 8 billion people with altruistic vision of this world that's 100 years old, dated. You, you've got to understand that or you don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But but, from <laughs> my perspective, you've got to buy back the land. That takes money. You figure out a better way to raise the money, I'm all for it. But
0: uh-huh. it also comes back to people that actually hunt sheep. Because I guarantee if the same threats to existed to whitetails, I mean, there's a million hunters in Pennsylvania alone that hunt whitetails. If, if people had access to hunting sheep, like they do whitetails, there'd be a lot more people involved in doing the things that you just talked about. So I think that that goes back to spreading opportunities and increasing opportunities.
2: And again, it's right back to what I said originally, when you're in a fight in a figurative fight, numbers are what count, money counts. And, and Pennsylvania with a million hunters, that's money and it's numbers, it's people that, that care. Um, a lot of the wildlife doesn't have that. And, and, uh, you know, there just isn't as many hunters that are interested in it, but the ones that are, they spend money. I mean, for the most part, a lot of them still want, you know, the, the, as cheap as possible. I'm the same way. Why would I want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a sheep tag when, if I could, you know, go there for 20 bucks? I mean, but does the $20, is that as effective and helpful for wildlife in the long run as the hundred thousand dollars? I don't know, you know, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not, it takes a lot smarter person than me to, to, to understand and know the, the ramifications of everybody being allowed to just hunt things without paying and habitat, just whatever, whatever happens, happens.
1: You gave me something like a new way of thinking about this, like that I need to, I'm not going to be able to completely follow this through. Right now, it's going to take some time, but yeah, I need to do what you do, which is think about what is, what's the right course of action for the hunting community and what's right for hunting if the only thing we care about is the wildlife. Um, I guess... With the way we're going now, where it's going to, and the way it's going to go, uh, I I believe is towards more and more and more privatization. Fewer, fewer, fewer people having more and more acres to hunt, and it'll be the wealthy. So we're going to have way fewer hunters that are energized to care about wildlife because a, their, their experience is shit. Um, but there's gonna be, on the flip side, there's gonna be a small number of hunters, kind of like Europe, that have awesome opportunity, hunting opportunity, and they make more money. So I don't know, there'll be fewer voices. I mean, there already are. I mean, and it'll just get continue to get worse. And there are more like that, fewer hunters, but the few hunters will have more dollars. And they, maybe that's better for wildlife or not? I don't know, but uh, there'll be fewer yeah. people to care. I think because
2: you know, it, the
1: the to one care point you got to have good hunting. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Most hunters aren't going to care much if they if like I I have people reaching out to me all the time that are like I used to hunt X species, but I don't even bother anymore. You know because it's so overcrowded. Um, Eight billion
2: people. I mean, we we have to face the reality. Well,
1: yeah, but people say that, but then they also say that the number of hunters is dropping. So you can't have it both ways.
2: No, but, <laughs> but no, but what's causing the lack of supply is the eight billion people. So you may have lesser, fewer hunters, but they have fewer places to hunt because eight billion people are taking the space up. They need. Yeah. Sheep. They need we their have lam- some
1: data on that. Or Jim and I interviewed a guy that's quantified that in the U.S. in the last.
2: No, I mean, last, uh, it, it does. You don't years, It's
1: like five percent, five percent less habitat in the last thirty years. Yeah. So yeah,
2: I mean, think about this. There's eight billion of us. We're we're incredibly competitive species, but we're not the best. There's 25 billion chickens in this world. They're they're the they are the single most successful species on this planet that this planet's ever seen.
1: What about, what about billion beetles? Chickens. There's some coleopter species, I think, that are more numerous than that.
2: Yeah, you know, of course, if you're getting down to the small stuff. But their, their footprint is nowhere near what a chicken's footprint is. Have
1: you ever read Michael Pollan's Botany of Desire? What is it? It's the, uh, Michael Pollan. He wrote a book, Botany of Desire.
2: Uh, I will get that because I love, I, I'm a bibliophile, so I'll read it.
1: So that book is all about kind of what you're getting at here, I think, which is like, There's a chapter on pot, there's a chapter on apples, there's a chapter on potatoes, but the underlying thesis is that, in a sense, like, the apple has bent us to its will and made us proliferate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's sweet, so we like it, and we make there be more of them.
2: That's, with that's the chickens, right? It's a, it's a successful species, and the, yeah. if you if you break it down, that's that's our purpose on this earth. though so people say no, but but you know you can't kind of deny it. It just it's a fact, and it this goes back whatever amount of time you believe, whatever faith, the thousands of years or billions of years. It's it's our purpose and to be here, and and you know in the future, <laughs> it, I mean it wouldn't surprise me if there's. The Earth is is populated with chickens, cows, you know, sheep and goats, and, and humans. Ninety
1: six percent of the biomass on animal biomass on Earth now is us and our livestock.
2: Yeah, because we've those, those those species have have been successful,
0: and and yeah. we can't
2: deny it. And and you know what we're talking about is a small window in time. And like I say, talk to me in a hundred thousand years. Talk to me in a million. We we can't even fathom a hundred million years, but that'll tell the tale. And and we we can't even think like that. We you know we might maybe some of the farthest thinking or thinkers of us might might see into the future a hundred years. That that's it's insignificant. Humans no, so have been insignificant.
1: Future, ten years from now is devilishly hard to predict. There yeah, could be so, some so, entirely different set. And this because this is a hunting podcast, I'll say this about. There could be an entirely new set of threats to hunting in ten years, ten years from now, that we can't even conceive of, right?
2: Yeah, and, and, and like I said, I just I I've come to the point in my life with enough travel, and I, I think it was uh, Samuel Clements, uh, Mark Twain, and I paraphrase: "You know, travel is the death of bigotry and ignorance." And I'm oh, sure he's rolling yeah, over yeah. in his grave right now in in um, because I butchered up his the paraphrasing of his. Well, yeah, but, but but the bottom line is. I've just for me it's just come down to because I hear smart people I hear you talk and and yes it's an impassioned you know position and and I I think it's wonderful but I hear just as many impassioned opinions on the other side and and here and here and here and around the world and and I've seen this place here and I've been to that country and I've seen what's happened uh, you know, the bottom no, line is we, we have to, we, we should you be
1: a lot of perspective that I don't have. I am willing to admit that.
2: Well, it it just, again, tolerance, tolerance. And, and so, okay, let's figure out, let's figure out a solution based on, on what you say, but also based on, you know, a Joe Rogan, you know, he's not bad. He He's good for us. Well, I'm a
1: huge a fan. I think he's good for society as a whole. I wouldn't, I'm glad he's there. Like, I think he's immensely valuable. I just think he's bad for one thing, hunting. And it's a minor thing that impacts 5% of the population. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and, And for him, you know, it's a, it's not a hugest part of his life. All right. But, but still, you know, how can we find a solution where all of us can be at the same table and, and come up with, with actual solutions to what is an actual problem and, and bearing in mind that there's 8 billion of us and we all want, we want, 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 want. We want this. We want this. I want my perfect experience in the outdoors and 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 I don't want anybody else to be there. However, I don't want to pay for it. So, okay. It, like, they're, they're just, there, there is there is a way to go forward. I, I just don't know if we'll all sit at, the, we're human beings. You know, we all have our own self-serving interests in mind always. And, and I, I think we have to maybe put that aside and think about the wildlife, what's best for wildlife. And, and, um, and then yeah. move forward in that, in that regard, it, it's, we're, and and bear in mind that we're not a cosmic event. You know, we're just a tiny snapshot of window in time. And, and, and even, even then when, you know, if I, even as I'm saying that, I'm going, well, wait a minute, you know, there's no woolly mammoths around, there's no dinosaurs, uh, you know, there's no saber toothed tigers around. So, you know, Kind of what's the point? um there's an actual word for that, um you know what's the point uh, because we don't we just no, but we don't know That's what's right and what's wrong. we know what's right and wrong for you and me and us and and others like us and 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 what we want but but in the long 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 run, nature is such a a powerful force that again. What happens in a hundred years? There's no woolly mammoths today. We sure as heck, you know, we weren't responsible for the dinosaurs for darn sure. There's people who argue we caused the demise of the, the woolly mammoths. I don't think so. I think it was climate change, you know, the the changing shrubbery from gra- or two shrubbery from grasslands and, and they couldn't adapt. And so they died off. I mean, it, it's, you know, one fire coming through that on a dry year wipes out how many, we, we just can't fathom it. And, and that's why I, I've just come to the point where I don't, I don't say this is right and this is wrong because I'm not smart enough to know what is. And I, and I listen to you and I'm, I'm heck, I'll, I'll be using your arguments in the future on other uh, discussions and other podcasts. I'll, I'll actually be taking your side and saying, hey, what about this? Because someone else will be on this side. We just have to be more tolerant and more accepting and, and, trying to find a solution because there's nowhere else for us to go anymore. You know, there's no, you got
1: the common. wheels, you got the wheels turning for me right now. Like, cause I, there's a lot of sense in what you're saying. And th- then there's also this thing that like, sometimes advocacy does positive things. No doubt. And, it t- and advocates are typically people that are highly impassioned and they have a, a solution in mind. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, don't know. We, I think I think as for advocacy you have to define what you're after. And and it, high it,
1: quality high quality non-pay hunting for people that do it for hide horns meat and personal satisfaction is that's what I'm focused on. And um and then I have a whole melee of of, of prescriptions that I think we would have to undertake in order to get there. So
2: yeah, and, and if you have solutions, great on that. Uh uh, you know, I, I would argue that maybe you you should have the wildlife as as the priority. You know, well, you
1: couldn't priority? have what I just said without wildlife. You can't have high right. quality nonpay hunting without yeah. the wildlife. So,
2: so if it's a given, I, I would include that in your your advocacy and say this this is this is in our our mandate. You know, put wildlife first, and then yeah, I really come.
1: should. I just I just feel like as somebody that works on habitat restoration. Fifty hours a week <laughs> as a research scientist—that's a given. But I probably should say it.
2: Better. Yeah, but and and I—I I mean, all the more power to you. I, I would find that possibly the most frustrating job in the world, and 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 thankless job. And because again, you could restoring habitat. I mean, just and, I, and I'm going <laughs> to—you're not going to like this—but the arrogance of even saying that.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. No, no. The, I'm
2: with you. I'm with you. The, the you know, what was there a hundred years ago? Was hardwood forests? You know, I don't know where you're doing that, but, but. Restore
1: wh- is not probably a good word. Like a better word would be something a lot akin to take places that are not generating ecosystem benefits anymore and make them generate ecosystem benefits.
2: Be- beautiful. And in. The short-term benefit of the wildlife, obviously, or, or maybe it's the flora too. I don't know. Oh, Whatever yeah. you're doing, it for the whole the whole ecosystem. Great. Who pays for that?
1: Well, with a lot of my work, it's the mining industry that pays for it, and I guess they caught they they pass the cost on to the consumer. I, I do a lot of work trying to get whole mine land whole mine land back together after holes extracted. You know. Perfect.
2: So so that's but then that's mod- I
1: do a lot on CRP too, like half of my work is on CRP. So that's the taxpayer,
2: taxpayer. But that's still a cost to every single person out there that that may or may not hold that dear to their heart. They're just paying because they have to to be part of our or to be a citizen of our countries. Yeah. But but yeah. the bottom line is someone's paying, and and that's what we have. That's the reality of today's world, and and you're part of it. You're you're restoring habitat. Even if it's the wrong word to use, but you are, and someone's paying. So we have to figure out a way to do what you want. Hunters get to hunt wherever they want for not a lot of cost and opportunities for everybody, and then figure out a way to pay for it. Because I'm with you 100%. We should do that. Okay. How do we do that? And, yeah. and that's that is, it's one thing to bitch and moan about a problem, but until you offer a solution, uh, to that problem it's just bitching and moaning. So so we have we now have defined what we want more opportunity with wildlife as the priority benefiting. Now what, we have the head
1: scratcher for me, Jim though, is I I have to have a much better sense of how I'm not talking about a hundred years ago when the wildlife were completely depleted. How now? Our dollars turned into habitat. Um, I'm a researcher. I I get a lot of money for grants to do research projects. Some of them sometimes work out and we get some valuable scraps of information that um, inform management going forward. But a lot of times they don't. You know, it's like wildlife. Like all it needs is nature. It doesn't, a lot in a sense, I don't think deer and elk and strong more need to be constantly propped up through intensive management. So I just would have to draw, I'd have to have a much better sense of how much this revenue is needed. Then you factor in that we have more revenue forever than forever, like more than any time in human history, you know, license sales money from license sales is like $9 billion. Um, It was at $7 billion in the 80s, and that's after adjusting for inflation. Pittman-Robertson dollars are through the roof.
0: Yeah, it, so, I, I believe the states are required to use 100% of the license sales for habitat restoration. If they don't, then they're, they're no, not getting... No, with,
1: with our state, I know that's not true, because with our state, a lot of it goes into our... Some of it goes into our block management program. A program that compensates landowners for allowing public access.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm wrong on that, but I I believe it that there's allocations that have to be met, or those funds are not distributed to the states.
2: Yeah, I don't think it goes into the general coffers, but I do agree that it goes into the management, whatever the you know whatever that that body is, uh, fish and wildlife in the given state. Um, but we, uh, I'm I'm up here in Canada, so we don't have that, unfortunately. So it, everything that we do here has to come out of our our own pockets. But but yeah, they, I'm,
1: a, I'm a little. <laughs> I've enjoyed this conversation so much, and it's been such so great meeting you. And It's like I've heard your name for years, but I never knew what a like a thinking person you are. It's awesome. So well, really I really enjoyed this, and I have a lot of respect for you after like watching your wheels turn. Uh, for a while, but I can't. I have to say that I'm not just bitching; that I do have solutions in mind.
2: You have which? I didn't catch that.
1: I, I, I don't feel that I'm just bitching. I do feel no. that I have. Solutions. No,
2: no, I agree. And and I was I was speaking figuratively, but but it's again, we have to find a solution. We have to find what our goals are. So if your your goal is that, and mine is wildlife, okay? Yeah, yeah. And and then what can we do about that? I, I don't know how it can be done without money. What you do can't be done without money, and and so what's going to generate the most money for that, and who's going to come up with that money? I mean, our museum—we're giving this all away. I mean, it's literally millions of dollars. My wife mm-hmm. and I are giving it away.
1: That's uh, awesome. Be, because well, it, it's it, altruistic. Okay. You said you're gonna—it's going to be funded for forty years when you give it away. Yeah. Who's getting it? The
2: uh, the who's getting the this whole entity. Who are you giving it to? A foundation. Yeah, we're setting it up. And and not not an existing foundation because it's the same thing. You know, there's a Nature Conservancy of Canada. We have land a mile from where I'm speaking right now that's absolutely gorgeous forest land. The Nature Conservancy of Canada, we were instrumental in allowing them to have wetlands as part of their gary oak preserve. Um, We have land that that I would not, uh, we intended to donate to them when Louise and I are past the point you know we've stewarded over this land for as long as we could but you know things have changed in the 30 years since we orchestrated that first package of land for them the management of, of their their business has become that uh, and I'm, I'm being very careful what I say here because I, I don't want to be you know, libelous but but I I would not donate it to them because I think they've lost perspective in my opinion, on what their, what their ultimate goal is. And it's like all of us, we, we tend to do that. We tend to get myopic and, and focus in on our, you know, our opportunity, what's good for us and not. Uh, so, so we intend, my wife and my intention well, is dude, to. Let
1: me stop you for one, just one. Well, no, go ahead, finish it. But I have a question yeah, about that. Yeah
2: we, just, yeah, we, we, we intend to put, you know, parcel that forest off and, and turn it into a, 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 a preserve. You know, not not uh not necessarily you know, for science. And we we can do that as part of this foundation. So we, we're creating a foundation where where we kind of control the mandate of that foundation with our vision. And I'm gonna have the board of directors handcuffed long past where I'm gone I'm here uh, and long gone. Um you know, so so if everybody did that, if everybody thought altruistically like that, and I don't I don't mean pathologically altruistic, like let's save the world to the expense of all of us dying off. I mean, I'm saying with, within the reality, the parameters that we have right now in this world, 8 billion of us, and space becoming a limiting factor for us, especially for wildlife, you know, if, if all of us put our money towards that, imagine, and, and we, we can, so we should, maybe I'm a bit of a Marxist that way, holy cow, you know, from those according to their ability to those according to their need, yeah, you know. I'm sure that's the soundbite that will come out of this. Shocky's a Marxist. I, I'm not, but but, <laughs> but 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 it's you know there's something to it when you give give to your community. And and as hunters, if you gave everything you made over your lifetime, gave it away, you know, and and for this purpose, imagine what a better place. Was. So you with your net worth, you could probably I don't know what you're worth, but you could buy. 20 acres of land, 100 acres, 1,000, I don't know, but, but, and just said no, no, uh, sheep on it, you know, no domestic sheep, no, no food for chickens, no soybean fields. It's got to be back to habitat that wildlife can actually live on. You, then you spent your life doing something that is truly commendable and altruistic. And, and you did it in a way that just, not just complaining about what's going on and these guys do this and they have, but actually, Walk the walk on that. Can you? Oh,
1: it's gonna be, e- be easy for me, and it's actually it is my it actually is my plan. But it's gonna be easy for me because I don't even have kids. So yeah, you, every kids, I haven't figured it out yet, but yeah, yeah. everything I own is gonna. Go that's
2: a whole another argument. On it, we have kids, but we're still giving this away, right? You know, right. And the, we have other friends that are very wealthy that have kids that they give everything to, and and you know the kids are you know waiting there for for their demise you know is that are you doing a service to your kids this is a whole nother conversation no. <laughs> but, but again it, I, have, it, it,
1: I have very strong opinions on yeah. that that I can tell accord with yours
2: <laughs> yeah and I'm uh, and I'm sure me saying that the purpose in life is propagation of the species and you don't have children I'm sure that sat real well with you too but
1: it's no. You, no, you know no, I I I already I already knew that I was an aberration but I've yeah. known that for decades so
2: Yeah, but but Um, again, I
1: do want to ask about for just a quick second, and I won't help you, but I want to ask a little more about this nature conservancy concern you have because they're about to come on.
2: I think sometimes an an original vision on something can be for for good, and the people that get involved mutated into a a different vision
1: mission creep.
2: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, and and when you start losing the the um, humanity of of a you know where they, where we are here and everybody else is beneath us, uh, we know what's best and you guys don't, and we don't have to be good neighbors um, because our mission is is more important than than being good neighbors. I think you you. Um, you do a, again a disservice to what the original intent of of the conservancy was, and and it's it's because of a you know the original people aren't there anymore, and there's new new people with new um, ideologies, and and um, and maybe so what's less.
1: An, what's an example of where they're taking this ivory tower holier than thou?
2: Well, let, let's just let's just give I'll give this example. Let's say, for instance, you're you're in the hottest part of the season, the driest part of the season. And you're within five miles of 60,000 people, their homes and whatnot. And it's the driest part, middle of the summer, you know, know, the hottest part of the year. Um, And because you're a scientist and you have a mission of saving whatever you're saving or learning, you want to do controlled burns. Now, as a neighbor to the to something like that, well, this is my home. You don't live here. You live in your ivory tower, but you're coming to burn in my. And you can have all of the experts, uh, you know, talking to me that you want, but I can also cite ten examples of control burns that have got out of control. So why would you risk doing this in in this area where there's, you know, people's homes right within two five hundred yards of you? And 60,000 people that enforce and it's tinder dry right now? Well, because we know we'll never let a spark get out of our control. We have I got it. you. It, now, is, that no, being, is it being a good neighbor or is it being a disrespectful, arrogant, you know, like you said, Ivory Tower, looking in on this? Yes, your goal and your mission is very important, but you also have to maintain civility with your neighbors and, and be part of the community. And when you think you're above all that, um, I think you, you you lost what the purpose was in the first place. And we all have to be careful of that at all times, you know, sit back, put our feet back on the ground and, and look in the mirror and say, well, you know, maybe we don't have to do that. Is, is the science that important as opposed to risking the lives and, and the families, the, their homes of all these people. And yes, the risk is minimal, but <clears throat> it's, it's not a risk to me. It's a risk to those people that live there. Uh, but who cares because our science is more important and, yeah. and our, our goal is more important and our altruism is more important. So uh, again, uh, you know, tolerance, right. It comes down to, the, to to one single word that I think would benefit all of us if we had a little more of it in this world.
0: Jim, before we wrap things up, I got to ask you a question in your travels, uh, two two part question. Where haven't you been that you want to go to hunt, and and what what's your favorite place worldwide to to hunt?
2: Ah, uh, you know we get one life, and I I lived mine at, at you know I lived it, and and I I went everywhere that I was able to go in my lifetime, and and that means I have there's nothing more because at this point in my life that is over and, and my, my um, you know, I have other goals. And again, back to my novel right here, um, you know, I see that as a solution to what we've been talking about all day today is that it'll give me a voice in mainstream media if it's a success. You, you know, and again, it's self-serving because I'm going to make money. I'm going to give it all away anyway to what we consider to be a good cause. But But if that, Novel makes the bestseller list. If it makes money for the publishers in New York City, um, it's going to open doors that have been closed to us. That think like us. And yes, you know, I've taken devils advocate on this, but I agree with you on a lot of your points. You know, we're we're on the same team. Actually, we're just discussing yeah, yeah, which play to which yeah. is the best and play. I
1: appreciate you. I appreciate you. You know, pushing me on my stance. Well, yeah,
2: well, I don't. Well, I, 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 from what I can see, you probably don't get challenged a lot, by you know, because you're a smart guy and you're, you know, you're you're powerful in your arguments. And I can see where a lot of people might just back off. But I, you know, what are you going to do? Send me home. So I, so I'm happy to to play the devil's advocate. But but again, you know, the solution you have to come up with a solution. A solution is money, and and money comes from a voice, from a platform. How many? What your reach is today. And I think this novel, if every hunter went and bought that novel, it would put it on the bestseller list. Even if they gave it to their aunt who reads books and they don't, it would give us a voice. It would give, actually, this is who you would see speaking about the perspective of hunting. Now, the first one isn't a hunting novel. It's not. There's nothing killed in it. There's no, well, there is people because it's a thriller, but it's 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 it, it sets the stage for the sequels. And it also sets the stage for people to think, well, I never really thought about it that way. Again, you once you read the novel, you'll see what I did on this. And and it this is this is how we affect the changes and, and working with money. It makes them money, they can allow more of us to write books again, reworks. Maybe we can even do hunting books. Then we can, by example, show the rest of these people that you were talking about that you don't agree with that, hey, if you do it this way, look at the heights you can reach and look what you can accomplish. So, yeah, so, so it's, you know, back to your question, is there, there places? No, my, my time for that is over. Um, and I have no regrets. And yeah, there's, there's blank spots on the map of the world that I would love to visit. It, not so much for the hunting. I, you know, hunting was, you know, that was part of why I was there, but, it, but it was to, to explore, to experience, um, you know, I've been where I, where I could go in my lifetime. Now, yeah. if I get another lifetime, I'll, I'll pick up some of those blank spots on the map and go back there or go there for the first time. And, and the second part of your question was, a, you know, a place that I love or would want to hunt. And, you know, I mean, I love the Yukon. I love the purity of it. The last remotest wilderness left in this world is the Yukon. Or, you know, you can fly for hours and there's no houses, no roads, no uh, roads. In hours, I mean, a slow airplane, a Super Cub. Uh, I, I love the Yukon. I'll ch- always try and be up there. If there was one animal that I could only hunt for the rest of my life, it would it would be white-tailed deer. I grew up on white-tailed deer, and and we grew up eating moose, so I love moose up in the Yukon too. But but um, yeah, things from, my my calling now is different than it was 20 years ago. It's it's this to be able to be an ambassador to at least take a swing at the bat or at the ball to to maybe, I mean, New York city, Simon and Schuster, the biggest publishers are publishing this novel. They accepted it. The best editor arguably out there edited it personally. They're planning to print 125,000 copies of it. And I'm a Canadian first time novelist. This is unheard of. That means the opportunity is it's never been there since Ruark and Hemingway and, and that crew, um, which arguably were part of the problem that we're facing today in terms of our perspective on hunting, or the non-huntings public of, of sure. perception of hunting. So, so I'm, you know, if it that's my that's my that's what I have to do right now. Um, and then if it flies, then the se- the sequel will be far more pointed in its in in its messaging. This is there, but it, you know, it had to be accepted too by a fairly. Um, urban point of view, uh, I'll, I'll just say it that way. Um, and they accepted it and they're they have high expectations of it. Imagine if it gets turned into a, a movie or a series on television. Right. Uh, you know, I, I read you what Cole Hauser said from Yellowstone. I mean, if, this is Hollywood, right? If they imagine and and the voice, then we can start to address the problem that you've you didn't bring it up, but you, because you, you just want to. Say this is the problem, but but is money. How do we buy back yeah. habitat for wildlife? You give me a hundred million dollars, I'll guarantee you that as a single person in this planet, that you know my wife and I, two people, will will buy back habitat and protect wildlife. Which to me ultimately is the goal. Which then offers the opportunity that you're talking about, which is public access for not having to pay a zillion dollars. So but that's how you have to do it. You you have to come up with the money somehow. And where does the money come from? And then the messaging to get the money has to be a certain way in it. And you gotta play within the rules and you can't just say that's all bad. No, it's 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 just the way it is. And now how can we work within that system to affect the positive change that we all want? Yeah. This this is how it works. It, yeah. You know, to, to give the proceeds, that's great. But just say, for instance, I get ten million dollars, and I can use that to to take a loan out to buy a hundred million dollars worth of property, or I can just give the proceeds, the ten million dollars, to whoever. And I, I mean, I'm total pie in the sky because I've discovered you get about a dollar an hour for the amount of effort it takes to write a novel. <laughs> so, so ten million dollars is pie in the sky. But but you can use you can leverage that those dollars. Whereas if you just give it away right off the bat, that, that's all your dollars that you're ever going to have for that, to achieve that purpose you're trying to attain. So so I'm not going to be the one that makes the money on this. You know, I mean, I'll make some, but I've already have, well, a dollar an hour. But but the ones that we care about are the ones in the ivory towers in New York City. If they make the money, they're going to allow another book to be written. Yeah. Well, they've already signed a contract for a second one with me personally, but they're also going to be searching out other people. You know, maybe it's you, maybe it's you. With and you can write and, and tell the story that you want to tell. And that gives more access out into the mainstream media. You know, right now we've got social media and we've got a couple of networks that with not high viewership, relatively speaking, compared to the one you know, one hundred and ten billion or you know, one hundred and ten million, no, is it? uh it's, it's like a, a factor of of more people than there is on the earth the reach of the main media you know if we can get into that those circles right now those doors are closed to us so we have to do something that opens the doors and and that means you have to, <laughs> well you have obviously
1: to, we have a disagreement there because i think we need less hunting promotion but we which obviously we have a disagreement there because i think we need less hunting promotion
2: yeah. Right, but I well, not? I wouldn't talk about hunting because it's a byproduct of of wildlife. Oh, you're
1: management. talking about conservation
2: <clears throat> of wildlife. For, for yeah, me, wow, that's okay. the goal yeah. because yeah. your that your is, goal
1: that needs to yeah
2: your your goal is your goal will be attained. Your your goal comes as a byproduct of wildlife management, proper wildlife management gotcha. and habitat. Yeah. You, you know, you're fighting for your goal, but but your actual what you need to be fighting is for wildlife, and that's what I intend to do is is with my life and you know i've done it as much as i can you know it's, you do what you can it's never enough but more wildlife more habitat allows more space for you to be able to go do your public hunting it's it's just you know they're, they're part of the same equation um, Yeah. but you have to you have to do the first before you can do the second yeah in, in my opinion just again
1: oh, in it, it, it i wish you all the success in the world jim because I do. I believe that the more successful that your writing is, the more dollars there will be for conservation, and that it's absolutely a good thing.
2: Perfect. Yeah. I, I'm. Ex- I'm expecting you as soon as we sign off here to go online, Google, call me Hunter, and pre-order my novel. Wow, so who got There's that? the first. Who's got time <laughs> to read a book? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I know. Well, you they're, sold, they're... You It'll be an audio here. too. It'll be an okay, audio, so you can right, do it while yeah. you're driving. <laughs>
0: All right, so call me hunter you could pre-order it now. Yeah, When's yeah, it- right now, right now when- today
2: and pre-orders are actually really important because it determines the 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 real print run what they're planning and uh, but pre-orders will determine that. So if everybody pre-orders 10 copies for their mother, it'll be awesome. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our world because now you're manipulating that world, you know, and you're doing it with the the one way that everything functions in this planet. Money, you know, money, they make money, it, it, you know, it gives us money to, and gives us a voice. And then we, it empowers us to do, to accomplish what we need to accomplish. You know, what you want, what I want, what all of us that care about the outdoors want.
0: All right. I think we could wrap it up there, boys. What do you think?
1: Great. Nice talking with you guys. Yeah, it's, been, the
2: time. It, it, it's been actually fun because I, I had to, you know, these were not softballs you guys are throwing at me today. It was, uh, you know, it, I mean, you have to be, you have to think about it. And and I I truly appreciate that. It allows me to, you know, to formulate in my own mind what I, I think. I don't often voice it because it's, again, truth. Not everybody wants to hear it.
0: Yeah. Well, as we were talking and you guys were talking, I was thinking that the, the title for this podcast is going to be a philosophical talk with Jim Shockey. <laughs> yeah,
2: That's great. An awesome I, I,
1: title. I, I can imagine philosophical the, musings with Jim Shockey.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. The, it'll be. Uh, I, I can imagine some of the sound bites that'll come out of that. Like I say, I'll, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing those. He's against public hunting. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. Like <laughs> no, say, but, I say, but
0: I don't think you came across the. No, this was all great stuff. And uh, if if more people came to the table. And talked about this together. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want more places to hunt. We want more animals to hunt. And we all want to be more successful.
1: Yeah.
2: I wouldn't put them in that order, personally. but
1: Yeah, i put he, the success first.
2: Yeah. And, and ne- <laughs> ne- next time, I certainly wouldn't sit here with all this in the background. I'd, I'd set up in the uh, in our big room here at the museum with all the dinosaur skeletons. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You know, it's a it's a lot more interesting background. But generally, in podcasts like this, it's you know, we, we, it's easier for me to set up here. My guys do it. I I show up one minute before, and and they have to clean up the mess here. Whereas if we shut down part of the museum to do it, it's you know. Uh, but next time, I'll know with you guys. I'll I'll set up there.
0: Please come uh, back on. Uh, we're I
1: taking would... that as a as a commitment to a, a round two at some point.
2: Yes. Yeah, awesome. Love it. I, I don't know if I'd have much. New to say because, you know, again, I'm old dog now. So, but, uh, but I'm, I, I love, I love testing the tolerance. You know, do I, am I tolerant? Am I truly tolerant? Do I hear what you're saying? Do I see you figuratively? You know, I think it's really important that we all, we all think that way. And, and this helps me, makes me better and makes me stronger because of that. Uh, and, and hopefully makes our, our entire cause stronger because of that
1: yeah we got a bullet we gotta we gotta we gotta acid test our ideas there's no doubt about that
2: Yep, yeah, always
1: be willing to change them
0: yep
2: adapt we call it adapt how about yep. that
1: yep. all right thanks fellas
0: yeah thank you thanks yeah, jim thanks i really that. appreciate
2: it i look forward to a transcript of your speech at uh, pope and young
1: well, my I hired a videographer. We're going to put it on YouTube. So,
2: oh, even better! Perfect. I'll watch that for sure.
1: All right. Thanks.
0: Thank you. You betcha. Bye.